Welcome back to the tape store, everyone. This is Toby. And this is Brooke. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. It's November. Yes. And we're all lamenting high spooky yes. month. I have Halloween. actual depression following leaving Halloween and all this, all things right. spooky. I mean, we never leave the spookiness, really. No, we don't. But when the festivities are over, it's genuinely yeah. sad. I mean, when... And we're still in November. The the, the leaves are... You yeah, know, fall is still here and thriving. And that can carry it on. I like to refer to this as the after party. Yes. Of spooky season. <laughs> exactly. Because Thanksgiving is, you know, it's legit. Yeah, we love it and all that <laughs> stuff and all the things that come with it. But it, it's just important to keep the spookiness going. Of course, all year round. So we have something special for you guys this week. Um I guess you could say this all started back in the 80s with an author named Alvin Schwartz. Yes. And an illustrator named Stephen Gamble. And the illustrator is uh, arguably just as much part of the books as right. the stories. So obviously we're talking about a book. Because it's iconic. Yeah. Yes. And this and, is the first time we've talked about a book. Right. Like and, in, I mean, only. And if you don't know the name of the book that we're getting to. Maybe maybe if you're a huge fan of this book, then by the time mm-hmm. we said the author, then you're probably like, oh, I know what they're talking about. But if not, we're talking about, well, there's three books. Yes. We are only going to be talking about the first one this week, and that is the Scary Stories trilogy. Yes. And the first book specifically is called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. And that should send all of your... Yeah. You know, all your wires going because... 80s and 90s kids should be going nuts if you love these books. I remember these books as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was born in 1980, so I, you know, again, uh, I didn't realize that this was published in 81, uh, a lot earlier than I thought, the first book. Yeah, I don't think I realized that either. So the three books are called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which was 1981. That was yes. the first book published in 1981. The second one is More Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. That's 1984. And Scary Stories 3, More Tales to Chill Your Bones, 1991. Yes. So, 80s and 90s, it spans over those right. two decades. So, by the time we were reading them, they were all three out. Right, yeah. And, I, again, I remember this, you know, I owned these books individually. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, when you talk about Alvin Schwartz as far as writing the stories, Stephen Gamble's illustrations are just as important Oh, yeah. And, because and, they were haunting. No, they're really scary, actually. Yeah. Um, I was flipping through and reading some of these stories, and they were scary. Yeah. And some and, and these tales, some of these tales go from spooky to really horrifying, and some of them are just really haunting. And we're not going to read the whole book. What we're going to do is we have picked a few that we feel are highlight stories that we really like. Right. We're going to read these stories, and then we're going to kind of exposit. Talk about them. Yeah, yeah, talk about it, discuss them. Because these stories are pretty short, which I love. Yeah. Because, again, especially when you're a kid, mm-hmm. it's a page or two. It's just kind of quick, and they really leave an impression a lot of them do, oh, which yeah. I think is what led to a movie being released. Which was released last year. It released last year. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It was Guillermo del Toro. Who is, I mean, if you're going to make something scary, let him have it. Yeah, he was. um, At least visually let him have it. Was it Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth just, I mean, that was just a work of art. And so was Hellboy. Oh, yeah. So these were also good. I always forget about Hellboy. I don't know how. Yeah, they were great. So coming from his mind, you you got Alvin Schwartz, you got Stephen Gamble, and then you got 
Guillermo del Toro, which yes. was really really fused those things together. It was a it was a good movie. It was fun, and I thought it was that right level of spooky. It was right right down the aisle or, or right along the level, I guess I would yeah. say, of Are You Afraid of the Dark? And it, I believe it was that perfect. It was the perfect. It was fun and it was scary. Yeah. It, it stayed in that spooky. I think there's fun, and then it gets into spooky, and then it gets into scary and terrifying, and and it really it went to terrifying a couple times. Yeah, but it, like it pulled it back real quick. Right, and I I liked that movie because again it gave us a a friend group, a young friend group. Right. Who I remember I remember that one guy being really funny. Uh, I can't remember his his character's name, but he was so funny, and we loved them, so we followed them. Um, I uh, last year I was teaching British lit. When this came out, the movie, because all my students were like, because I, te- I taught senior English, so they were right. all, you know, grown. They're like, Miss Manolis, have you seen it? I said, no, but I have the book. I had the third book, I believe, the the individual series, and I had the, the big one that we're well, reading it's, from tonight. It's, and it's the third book, one of the iconic images. Yes. And there's a lot of iconic images, really. Yes, there I, are I mean, several. Right, but we all think of the Scarecrow. Harold. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he's in the third book. Yes, but he was in the movie. Yes, he was in the movie, but I'm just saying that, you know, we're yeah. actually not talking about Harold this week. So No, we're not. I know I asked Toby, like, I want to read that, and he's like, well, well, that's not this week. That's not, that's like, not well, for this one. crap. Yeah. But, no, my students were asking me if I had read it, and I was like, yes, of course, here's the book. So they got so into Scary Stories to Tell the tar- Dark that we have a time in my class called Independent Reading, which is the first 15 minutes class. It got to where every day they would ask me to read a story from the book. Right. We'd turn off the lights. I had this spooky like YouTube ambiance thing I'd put on the screen and light candles and we'd read them. And I'm pretty sure I ended up on Snapchat because so I saw it over someone's shoulder, which is fine. But um, it was so fun. And, and these books were written, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And here our kids are in 2019 last year. Right. Loving it. So it's it's good for all ages. Yeah. I think that whatever your taste is for scary stuff, you know, to each their own. Right. right? But for me, it's got to be, it's got to travel between, I think, fun and adventure. Right. Yes. Fun's on the left side. In the middle, you have spooky. That's like perfect. Yeah. You know, and then you have to know. There's spooky I think, and then there's horror. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. I, I'm trying to explain kind of like this gauge here. It's like, I think the It movies did it great. Yeah. They, 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 they were funny at times and, and it was almost like they were on this adventure. Yeah. And then it would be really creepy and spooky, and then it would go all the way over and be terrifying. And then I think beyond terrifying, if you go way on the other side, it's disturbing. Right. And and that's not me. No. And then I think if you go way too on the fun side, you end up into stupid. So (laughs) right. And now there's a place for stupid. No, there's a as we their own right. Yeah, I mean like Ernest Scared Stupid is a great example. It's a great example. It's dumb, but we love it. Yeah, I mean it's it's good fun, right? Yeah. and, And there's a place for all that, and I think that there's a time to watch that stuff, and there's a time. Everybody needs something different to resonate with them. I know. I know for us. You know, there's a time to watch Ernest Scare Stupid, and there's mm-hmm. a time to watch it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's whatever you're into. I, I'm just talking about the point I'm getting to, the greater point, is that scary stories to tell in the dark, much like Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and again, it, the, the films. Right. Because, again, Stephen King's, the novel is a, a whole new level of depth and stuff. Yes, but and it's so good. I think if they can travel between that fun and adventuresome into spooky, yeah. into scary, back into spooky, then over to fun, back to scary... You know, again, when it gets into disturbing, I'm out. Right, and, and right. And usually if it gets a little too goofy, I'm out. So I, Exactly. These books did that. 
Yeah, and I mean, we were talking before, we are eventually going to get to the stories, but uh, we were talking before we started recording, and I was like, you know, 90s kids, like, there was no way we weren't going to grow up having a love of spooky and horror. Right, Because look at the things we had. We had scary stories to tell in the dark. We had Goosebumps. We had Are You Afraid of the Dark. Right, Goosebumps was another one. Um, We had all of this great stuff that was kind of just opening us up to this world of scary. And... But in a tasteful and like really well done way, I think. And so. I feel like we just we well, just benefited in a way that kids today might not might not fully. I think so, and yeah, I, I I agree with you there. And with this new era of streaming and with social media, I think there's some great things about it, but there are some things that are missing, right? That for we, sure, that we had. And again, that's all part of the. You know, magic we 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 seek to reawaken and we seek we seek to relive. So, without further ado, we're going to read five or six of these stories. Yeah, because we're I mean, when we say short, they're like a they're page, super half short. a page. Yeah. Like they're they're little. So we're going to read them and then we're going to discuss them. And the first one Brooke's going to read, and it's called the White Wolf. And again, these are all from the first book. We have the whole treasury here. It's it's all three books yeah. in one. It's beautiful. Got the dust jacket with it. We found it at Goodwill. Yes. And it has coffee stains from our daughter. Yes, bless her. Very bad time when she spilled not, that coffee. Now, wait, she does not drink coffee. She spilled our coffee no, she, on the yeah, book. She was trying you to made drink it sound mine. like she had like a mug. It doesn't matter. Like, Golly, mornings. It doesn't matter. <laughs> My three-year-old does I'm not drink coffee. looking at the coffee stains now. Not fun. But at any rate, we're going to read some of these and talk about them. So, again, this is all from the first book, which is 1981's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Again, yes. this is by Alvin Schwartz with the illustrations by Stephen Gamble, and we picked a few of these, and we're going to read them and then discuss them. So, Brooke, go ahead. All righty, here we You're go. You're going to start with The White Wolf. The White Wolf, and it has a an illustration right off the bat. We will take pictures of everything that is illustrated and put them on our Instagram for you guys. But uh, here we go. The White Wolf. The timber wolves around French Creek had gotten out of hand. There were so many wolves, the farmers could not keep them from killing their cattle and sheep. So the state put a bounty on them. It would pay a hunter $10 for every wolf pelt he turned in. A butcher in town named Bill Williams thought that was pretty good money. He stopped working as a butcher and started killing wolves. He was good at it. Every year he killed over 500 of them. That came to more than $5,000. It was quite a bit of money in those days. After four or five years, Bill had killed so many wolves there were hardly any left in that area. So he retired and vowed he would never harm another wolf because wolves made him rich. Then one day, a farmer reported that a white wolf had killed two of his sheep. He had shot at it and hit it, but the bullets didn't have any effect. Soon, that wolf was seen all over the countryside, killing and running, but nobody could stop it. One night, it came into Bill's yard and killed his pet cow. Bill forgot about his decision never to harm another wolf. He went into town the next morning and bought a young lamb for bait. He took it out into the hills and tied it to a tree. Then he backed off about 50 yards and sat down under another tree. With his gun in his lap, he waited. When Bill didn't come back, his friends started looking for him. Finally, they found the lamb. It was still tied to a tree. It was hungry, but it was still alive. Then they found Bill. He was still sitting against the other tree, but he was dead. There was no sign of a struggle. His gun hadn't been fired and there were no tracks in the soil around him. As for the white wolf, it was never seen again. 
the end. <laughs> or not the end, but the end of that one. Right. Okay, so that was a good one. Yes. And it was obvious. I mean, my take on it was it was this. I think the, the wolf was obviously some kind of revenge specter. Yeah. On behalf of wolves, I guess, you know. Yeah, I I mean, in my mind, like the first thing that it makes me think of is like, like when indigenous people would like kill, you know, when they would hunt, mm-hmm. they would almost like have reverence for the animal, right. you know, yep. and it was never out of sport. It was always out of survival or, or, you know, whatever, but he was doing it for sport and for money. So it's almost like, yeah, almost like a, like a, like kind of a, of the earth kind of thing. Like, okay, well you've unjustly killed all these wolves. Right. So now they're sp- Spirit. Is so yeah, even though he was done, now it was coming back. Yes, to to seek revenge. Yeah. So I don't know what it is about wolves. I I I love a good werewolf story. I love yes. a good, you know. I think wolves are just really fascinating animals. Oh, for sure. And I think that you know we were uh, at a thrift store not too long ago, and we were looking at Stephen King movies. And you know, a lot of these Stephen King movies now. <laughs> It was, I think, the best one. Absolutely. I, 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 Even the 90s one was great. Well, yeah. Yes, thanks to Tim Curry, definitely. I, I think all in all, though, these made-for-TV movies, they're, they're, they either hit or miss. Yeah, you know? they struggle. But, <laughs> you know, before It, if you asked me what was the best Stephen King movie, in my opinion, the top three, uh, I would probably have to say number one, was probably Silver Bullet. Yeah. I it, never saw that one. No, it is so good. Silver Bullet is really good. It's just a really good werewolf story, and it's narrated. I, I don't want to go. I don't want to make this, you know, episode <laughs> about Silver Bullet. No, but we're going to have to talk about Stephen King. At it's some just point. <laughs> really well done, and it's told from the perspective of these these two teenagers, or really this this teenage girl. Mm-hmm. She's telling it as as something that happened long ago. Right. It's such a good movie. It's based on a Stephen King story. Yeah. But again, I just love wolf stories. I think because I find them fascinating. Yeah, for sure. And this isn't necessarily a werewolf story. But just the idea of wolves, they're just so, in, there's an intensity there. Yeah. And well, and there, I mean, there is, it's not a, like you said, it's not a werewolf story, but there, but there is an, an intelligence that right. is going into this from the wolf perspective. Because what I find interesting is that he chose a lamb, which, as we all know, represents innocence and purity. Right, sure. And the wolf recognizes that, there, that he's like, oh, I'm not going for, that. I'm not going to hurt this pure thing. I'm not going to even touch that. Right. Because I'm going for you. Like, I don't know. It was like, it spoke yeah. volumes, like sim- symbolically, like, oh, I didn't touch the pure lamb because I'm going right. after you. Definitely. So cool. And I, I just, yeah, again, just the imagery, the idea of this this ghost, this animal ghost, I guess. Yeah. It's just really, really, I just thought it was very haunting. So what is next on the docket? Yeah, so next we have the girl who stood on a grave. Ooh. This is really interesting. Already like it. Yeah. And here we go. <laughs> Some boys and girls were at a party one night. There was a graveyard down the street, and they were talking about how scary it was. Don't ever stand on a grave after dark, one of the boys said. The person inside will grab you. He'll pull you under. That's not true, one of the girls said. It's just a superstition. I'll give you a dollar if you stand on the grave, said the boy. A grave doesn't scare me, said the girl. I'll do it right now. The boy handed her his knife. Stick this knife in one of the graves, he said. Then we'll know you were there. The graveyard was filled with shadows and was as quiet as death. There is nothing to be scared of, the girl told herself. But she was scared anyway. She picked out a grave and stood on it. 
then quickly bent over and plunged the knife into the soil, and she started to leave. But she couldn't get away. Something was holding her back. She tried a second time to leave, but she couldn't move. She was filled with terror. Something has got me, she screamed, and she fell to the ground. When she didn't come back, the others went to look for her. They found her body sprawled across the grave. Without realizing it, she had plunged the knife through her skirt and had pinned it to the ground. It was only the knife that held her. She had died of fright. I know, right? Oh, my God. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't. Hit, some of these we're reading for the first time. Toby, right? like, I, I, he just looks up and I was like, oh. I know. Oh, my God. Okay. This is oh like. Oh, my God. This can be taken, I think, two ways. But you give, me, you can give me your take on it, then I'm going to tell you. Oh, mine. good grief. Okay, well, I mean, look, this I mean, this this is akin to the, you know, say Bloody Mary three times in the mirror kind of dare that we all do as kids, you know? So yeah. there's merit to that. But I feel like I mean, to state to state the obvious, the fear was in her mind. She created the fear, but it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing. Like Yes. She basically was like, Oh, I'm terrified of this. Oh, it must be somebody in the grave, you know, that's going to kill me. And before they could even kill her, she died. Right. Again, I said there's two ways to look at it. One is nothing supernatural happened. This is all just some freak tragic thing. Yeah, no, there was no ghost. There was no person in the grave. No. Right. And then the other one is there actually was something super uh, supernatural about okay. the grave, okay. about the graveyard. And... The, the power of that graveyard made, you know, whatever she was fearing mm-hmm. real. Like, like what, okay. you know, again, so, so almost, it's almost as if the power of that graveyard made that happen. Yeah. Just in an unconventional way. I or, ma- yeah, or maybe even if she, even if, let's say she did pin, I mean, obviously she pinned her skirt. Yes, so yes. it was, I mean. But the, who's to say that unbeknownst to these kids, yeah, she pinned her skirt, but also was being pulled under. Yeah, right. And so whenever anybody finds her, who who's gonna who's gonna blame the ghost in the grave? Right. Nobody. Uh, again, I look at it like Oh, I love it. Like there's this the graveyard has this supernatural power yes. but it's able to cover itself. Oh. As right? any as so, any good ghost could right, do. To keep people coming back, obviously. I can't I was not like a, I <laughs> right. was not prepared to actually be Freaked out right, yeah, now. it gets which you. Which right I there love. It's yeah, great, and some of these do that. They get you right at the end, right? Which, as a sidebar, I would like to add: Toby and I are not at home right now. We are on like our like our vacation in the mountains yeah. that we come to sometimes. So we're in the middle of the woods. Yes. It's a- so let's just all appreciate the spookiness of that in and of itself. Yes, right. It was. The, it, you could say it's the perfect time for it. It but, is, and not so perfect when, right. it's, ti- when it's time for bed. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right, so Brooke is now going to read A New Horse. Okay. Again, this is from the first book, A Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. All right, here we go. This is A New Horse. Two farmhands shared a room. One slept at the back of the room. The other slept near the door. After a while, the one who slept near the door began to feel very tired early in the day. His friend asked what was wrong. An awful thing happens every night, he said. A witch turns me into a horse and rides me all over the countryside. I'll sleep in your bed tonight, his friend said. We'll see what happens to me. About midnight, an old woman who lived nearby came into the room. She mumbled some strange words over the farmhand, and he found he couldn't move. Then she slipped a bridle on him, and he turned into a horse. The next thing he knew, she was riding him across the fields at breakneck speed, 
beating him to make him go even faster. Soon they came to a house where a party was going on. There was a lot of music and dancing. They were having a big time inside. She hitched him to a fence and went in. While she was gone, the farmhand rubbed against the fence until the bridle came off and he turned back into a human being. Then he went into the house and found the witch. He spoke those strange words over her, and with the bridle, he turned her into a horse. Then he rode her to a blacksmith and had her fitted with horseshoes. After that, he rode her to the farm where she lived. I have a pretty good filly here, he told her husband, but I need a stronger horse. Would you like to trade? The old man looked her over, and he said he would do it. So they picked out another horse, and the farmhand rode away. Her husband led his new horse to the barn. He took off the bridle and went to hang it up. But when he came back, the new horse was gone. Instead, there stood his wife, with horseshoes nailed to her hands and feet. What do you think? <laughs> her hands and feet. Oh, okay. So you can't get past that point. No, and also, interestingly enough, I'm looking at the illustration, and one of the horse legs is a, a woman's leg with a high heel shoe. I think it was showing, like, the, the metamorphosis. Yeah, of yeah, the no, horse. it's cool. It's just okay, like, Okay, so I'll tell you why I like that. That one is weird. Yeah, I like that one because the villain of the story is obviously the witch. Right. And it's obvious that, in this case, her mischief... Her magic was kind of yeah. It gets put back on. It gets her. put back on her. So I just thought that was a really interesting story, and yeah. I thought that again, what you're getting, I think, with a lot of these stories, at least in my mind, is you're you're getting like the tip of an iceberg. I think there's there's so much. Almost think that these these are great like pitches and treatments for like what could be a movie. Oh yeah, you know. I mean, you really could it's just... Like a, it's like a boardroom conversation that could yeah. actually turn into a film. So it's a great premise for what could be built into a story. I just really liked that you had this woman mm -hmm. who was a witch, and she was using her powers not necessarily to she be... She was using them in a very odd way. Yeah, well, kind of just self-serving to do just something basic. Yeah, right. And, right. I mean, it, it wasn't right, but the fact is she wasn't trying to take over the town... She really wasn't hurting anyone necessarily. Except for this poor farmhand. Well, I mean, what I'm saying is... not getting any sleep. Right. But what I'm saying is, is that this is more on the side of mischief, I guess. Right. But just to see the magic turned on her, I thought was really... I know. And, like, good on the farmhand who was able to... You know, he, he obviously... His friend had told him what the magic was, so he knew to get he had to get the bridle off. And I think the other farm what, what we what we learn is that the friend of the farmhand that this had been happening to, yeah, is for, obviously for how no who is, is how long is obviously much more clever, right? Because he thought he thought enough to get away and then say, you know what, I'm gonna turn this thing around on her. Yeah, because the first guy was just like, I guess this is who I am now. Right? Like, he just was kind of like, I guess it I'm happen. a horse at night. Right. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I love it. But you know what also makes me think of the witch's husband. Like, was he, like, again? You know, like, you know I what I mean? Know. Was he, it's, like, golly, I thought we were done with this crap. I think it's interesting. And, and I, again, I think what really what really piqued my interest in that story was that this is one where the villain kind of gets, you know, tastes their own medicine. You kind of oh, yeah. see it right now. Their comeuppance. And, again, I think, again, I like the idea of just, like, man, what all had she been, what, what all had she been doing for how long? Yeah. You know, it was just interesting. It's, and and I thought it was funny. interesting that she was using her magic for mischief. Yeah. Rather than being incredibly interesting, you know, incredibly malicious or evil. That so is fun. another one we picked out was the hook. 
All righty. So I'm going to read this one. So here we go. Okay. Donald and Sarah went to the movies. Then they went for a ride in Donald's car. They parked up on a hill at the edge of town. From there, they could see the lights up and down the valley. Donald turned on the radio and found some music, but an announcer broke in with a news bulletin. A murderer had escaped from the state prison. He was armed with a knife and was headed south on foot. His left hand was missing. In its place, he wore a hook. Let's roll up the windows and lock the doors, said Sarah. That's a good idea, said Donald. That prison isn't too far away, said Sarah. Maybe we should really go home. But it's only 10 o'clock, said Donald. I don't care what time it is, she said. I want to go home. Look, Sarah, said Donald. He's not going to climb all the way up here. Why would he do that? Even if he did, all the doors are locked. How could he get in? Donald, he could take that hook and break through a window and open a door, she said. I'm scared. I want to go home. Donald was annoyed. Girls always are afraid of something, he said. As he started the car, Sarah thought she heard someone, or something, scratching at her door. Did you hear that? she asked as they roared away. It sounded like somebody was trying to get in. Oh, sure, said Donald. Soon they got to her house. Would you like to come in and have some cocoa, she asked. No, he said. I've got to go home. He went around to the other side of the car to let her out. Hanging on the door handle was a hook. <laughs> no! <laughs> I know, right? Uh. Okay, so th- that one I think I've kind of heard over the years before. Yeah. So I like this one because oh my gosh. Donald was an idiot. Yes, he was stupid. Now, they would have died had Sarah not been so vigilant. Yes. First off, if I'm on a date... With you. Right. The only woman I would be on a date with. I love you. But the <laughs> the final, the fact of the matter is, <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, if we were on a date and we were listening to the radio and this news bulletin came on, I mean, there would be no discussion. Say, you, oh, we're I go. wouldn't have to say anything. We're just You'd be go. like, neat. We're done. We're, we're just done here. Go. Yeah. Also, how in the world did this guy escape from prison and then find a hook to attach to his hand? I don't know <laughs> what's going on there. But the bottom line is is that I, I really think this has a great message, and that's you really need to be vigilant. Like, you've got, when, when there's danger <laughs> anywhere nearby, it's time to get moving. Donald's like, well, it's only 10. I, I know. What is the deal? Well, you, they were they Well, they were parked on a hill. I'm sure he was not wanting to leave right away. For right, I'm sure he had, yeah, right. I'm so, sure it was getting, I'm just saying. I'm sure he had. He had other things on his mind, so he's probably like, no, I don't want to leave right now. It's stupid, though. Right, it's stupid. Th- because, are, one, she had the... to ask him anything more than once. Right. Which, come on, you know. But, uh, yeah, the... As, no. soon as, you, as soon as she started saying, I want to go home, I was like, no, no, It's time no. to get going whenever we find... Some... Donald is an idiot. Right. You know, like... that's just stupid. <sighs> He's like, no, it's cool. And then and then he starts going through, well, how's he going to get up here? And even if he did make it up here, he couldn't get in the car. You want to just go. So, so, okay, so I'm imagining Hook guy, yes. Hook hand, has made it to the car. Yes. And he's actively trying to get in. And what's done? It's cool. He's, he's not gonna got a hook. It. It's fine. He's not going to make it in. I mean, the windows are up. Doors are locked. He's the guy that gets, Let's just gets ignore killed him. first in every scary yeah. movie. He's the first guy, right. There's always yeah. the first one to go. Yeah, the it, one he's well, the one who actually does go in the basement yep. when he hears the weird that's, sound. You're right, that's Donald. So don't be a Donald, guys. Oh my God. I I am I, I also like that they, they took the hook with them. Yes, they he did. He lost take the hook. his hook right. hand. He's gonna have to find a wrench or something. All right. We're gonna do one more. 
Okay. This has been fun. And we're going to do one this more. This has been great. I know. <laughs> we're going to do Scott. one more. Yeah. So this has been, again, quite the adventure already. Yes. And it's been fun seeing Brooke's reactions to some of these ones that she hasn't I know. read. <laughs> so this next one that Brooke's going to read, and then we'll wrap it up. I know. We should have been filming it. <laughs> okay. All Here right. Here we go. I'm going to hold it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show oh, that dear. to you. There we go. Okay. We are reading High Beams, and this is adorned with, a, with an illustration. Yes. Okay. So last one. All right. The girl driving the old blue sedan was a senior at the high school. She lived on a farm about eight miles away and used the car to drive back and forth. She had driven into town that night to see a basketball game. Now she was on her way home. As she pulled away from the school, she noticed a red pickup truck follow her out of the parking lot. A few minutes later, the truck was still behind her. I guess we're going in the same direction, she thought. She began to watch the truck in her mirror. When she changed her speed... The driver of the truck changed his speed. When she passed a car, so did he. Then he turned on his high beams, flooding her car with light. He left them on for almost a minute. He probably wants to pass me, she thought, but she was becoming uneasy. Usually she drove home over a back road. Not too many people went that way. But when she turned onto that road, so did the truck. I've got to get away from him, she thought, and she began to drive faster. Then he turned his high beams on again. After a minute, he turned them off. Then he turned them on again and off again. She drove even faster, but the truck driver stayed right behind her. Then he turned his high beams on again. Once more, her car was ablaze with light. What is he doing, she wondered. What does he want? Then he turned them off again. But a minute later, he had them back on again, and he left them on. At last, she pulled into her driveway, and the truck pulled in right behind her. She jumped from the car and ran to the house. Call the police, she screamed at her father. Out in the driveway, she could see the driver of the truck. He had a gun in his hand. When the police arrived, they started to arrest him, but he pointed to the girl's car. You don't want me, he said. You want him. Crouched behind the driver's seat, there was a man with a knife. As the driver of the truck explained it, the man slipped into the girl's car just before she left the school. He saw it happen, but there was no way he could stop it. He thought about getting to the police, but he was afraid to leave her, so he followed her car. Each time the man in the back seat reached up to overpower her, the driver of the truck turned on his high beams. Then the man dropped down again, afraid that someone might see him. Man! Plot <laughs> twist! Right. High beams was the hero. That's actually a story that I remember people telling, like around, like when we'd have, uh, like, youth group lock-ins in yeah, middle school. Yeah, sheesh. I think my dad actually told that story. He was a youth leader. That sounds about right. And he would, he, he told that story about. Dang. So you think the whole time the bad guy is obviously yeah. the truck driver. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's it's it was just crazy, yeah. Oh my gosh, he saved her life. I have, I'm realizing how many of these I have not read. Yeah. Golly, that was good. Do you check the back seats of your car when you get in? Yes, I've, I do because of you. At night, yeah. yeah. I've done that several times. I mean, I think just a few days ago I was leaving a gas station and I looked yeah. back. I, I do, mean, yeah. Though because... I don't know. It's it's not because it's not. I, I think there's you know there's living in fear and there's just being vigilant. You know. No, there's being careful, and I think I have for a while just just being a girl. One, but two, just you know things. Like right. That. Well, I tell you, in in these 
in these books yeah. or in stories like this, it, it's it's stories like that that are really scary. Yeah, because that's real. Well, because you know the debate about okay, are ghosts real or not? You know, that, that that's that that's conversations, and those are fun conversations. Yeah, you know, and and I love hearing stories and and listening to people say, well, l- let me tell you something I experienced, and that's always great. But there is no debate about bad people. You know, yeah. bad people are out there. You know, that's scary because that could happen to anybody, right? And I, but so yeah, and it's also just a really really clever storytelling device to, to have the reader or the listener, yeah, completely distracted on one. You know, in this <laughs> case, the guy following the girl, yeah, and and not the threat that was in her car. I know, and like I'm reading it, and for the first time, so I was like trying not to react as I was reading it. Right. Yeah. So this is great. Golly, uh, so guys, man. we highly recommend the Scary Stories trilogy. Yes. And like, you can find them pretty much anywhere, especially thanks to the movie that came out. Um, you can find them anywhere. Now. Yeah, and, and some of the stories in these books, like he has some stories, the writer, that are, are meant to actually be read with other people and you're supposed to jump scare them and stuff. Yeah, they're made for telling like, yeah. around a campfire or at a lock-in or whatever. Yeah, and then there's some songs that actually have music to I them. I know, they have like so like sheet music. We need to like break your piano out and like kind of... I know. I'd love to hear what they sound like. We have a few, we have a couple reels on our Instagram that are set to, we have the Scary Sources Treasury book and then a right. candle which is to kind of give you guys some yeah. ambiance. But we were reading to you guys just the straight stories. Yes. So they were good. Quick note about this. So there is a documentary okay. about the writer of these books and the illustrator on Amazon. And fun fact, I did not, I think it was before the um, documentary officially came out, but um, on Twitter... I uh, I have like my own personal account, and I found this guy named Cody Merrick, who he talked all about scary stories to tell in the dark. And I was like, okay, cool, I'll follow him. Well, it turns out that he is the documentary maker, and I, me, and him oh, have been okay. interacting like as oh, wow. Twitter friends. It's always like, great. I know, so I'm definitely Twitter famous in my own mind. <laughs> but um, no, I tweeted something the other day because our son is really into like folk tales and stuff, and right now he's really into Baba Yaga, which is you know a Slavic. Folklore about a witch. Yes, and they based a book. Uh, I, yes, yeah, Bony Legs. Bony Legs. Yeah, she's got a, a house with the chicken feet. And yeah, I all read that. that in first grade, and I loved it. And now, as an adult, I look back at Bony Legs, and I'm like, "What in the world were we doing? <laughs> reading Bony Legs? No, we it's loved hor- it. It's horrifying. No, it, it, Bony Legs was scary. The yes. artwork was scary. Right. Bony Legs was scary. So, but it's based on Baba Yaga. Hashtag Bony Legs was scary. Seriously, that should be the next book we talk about. But uh, so he did a drawing of it, and he and we've been reading books about you know scary tales and Baba Yaga was in it. So I tweeted it, and Cody Merrick retweeted it. He said, "Raising them right." So That's it. Our spooky child rearing somebody appreciates. Yes. But um, Cody Merrick, if you're listening, um, thank you for making the documentary. You should watch it. If you're really into these books, you should definitely watch the jo- the documentary on Amazon Prime. Yes. It's awesome. And again, these are scary stories to tell in the dark, and. Next time we get around to doing this, I mean, we've got some other things on the docket, but we definitely want to do some highlights from more scary stories to tell in the dark, and then, of course, we're not going to be able to just stop there. We're going to definitely do an episode where we wrap up and do some highlights from Scary Stories 3, more tales to chill your bones. Yes, and And of course, we want to hear from you guys. We would like to know what some of, those of you who are familiar with these books, what are some of your favorite stories, and maybe we can read those. Yeah, and we can, you know, talk about those things. But yes, so want to just again say, Scary Stories, and this is by Alvin Schwartz, and Stephen Gamble does the 
uh, illustrations that we're going to post pictures oh, of. Yes, the, so these good were great. And these were great. Eighties and nineties stuff. You know, so if if you are into that nostalgia, I mean, th- this is a must-have if you are a spooky person. Yes. So, anyways, let's wrap this thing up, though. All right. We have had a great time, and we will see you guys next week, next Thursday. Yep. For more great eighties and nineties nostalgia at the Tape Store Podcast. Thanks for being here, guys. And stay spooky. Yes, all year. Yes, all year. So, guys, if you've been with us, as we always like to do here at the Tape Store Podcast, thank you so much for your time. It's valuable. It's limited. And any time you spend with us, just know we treasure that. We appreciate it. It means a lot. Follow us on our social media. Brooke? Yes, uh, follow us on Instagram, at the Tape Store, on Twitter, at the Tape Store Pod. And, of course, now on TikTok, which is also just the Tape Store. So we we put out lots of fun... Uh, it has been pretty spooky videos as of late, but yes. um, obviously now we're mostly out of spooky season, so you'll see some more normal stuff. But who knows? But who knows? Because who knows? It's Things us. can always take a turn. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Guys, we'll see you next week with more great '80s and '90s nostalgia every Thursday, and who knows? And in between, but we'll see you next week at the Tape Store for more great stuff. And until we see you guys next time, stay spooky. This is Toby, and this is Brooke. Bye, guys. Bye.